sitting. How's everyone doing this morning? All right, we're just going to ask you guys to, uh, to stand up with us as we uh, worship Jesus. I'm going to open with some prayer real quick. We'll get this thing started. Father God, I thank you so much for every person you bring in here. I, I ask that you would draw people in even right now who are just driving by. But uh, let our love for you be shown, the joy of, of knowing you and being in your presence. Again, I just thank you. Thank you for every person in here. Let them experience your presence. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
a simple church. How are you guys? Everybody doing good? <laughs> so this is just something that we do twice a month on the last Sunday and the first Sunday, just to bring it down and um, to not be like a show on the stage and for us to just all be able to worship God in a simple way. Um, so we're glad that you're here. And we just invite you right now to really go into a place of worship with us. Um, we just had a, a youth conference this week. So um, our youth leaders, Mo and Tino and Phil, um, and I got to go. Um, and it was just so cool to see like 4,000 youth just run to the stage and for like hours worship God. If that doesn't like excite you, man, it, it was crazy. It was just so amazing to see them um, worshiping God with everything in them. You know, I was so tired just watching them because um, <laughs> they're jumping and they're like just their hands are up and they just want to be as close to the lights and the music. But they also just understood in those moments the importance of like, it is so important for me to learn to worship God and to know what His presence is and to know when His presence is, is filling a place. And um, so we talked about worship at our church and, you know, how some people might not know how because they might be new to this and that that's okay, but that even them, as they're so young, they can still be an example of that because they know what it is to worship God with everything within them. And um, so it just really encouraged me, and I wanted to encourage you today to maybe just take it one step further for yourself. And maybe what your one step is is totally different from my one step, you know? But um, take one step closer to God today as we worship. And uh, we aren't here for this to be a show for you. We're just here to meet God too, us as the band. We just want to meet God too today. Just come a little bit closer to Him in our worship. So um, you guys just join us.
Glory of your good. 
voice. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just get your heart in worship. I know when I say you close your eyes, you're like, I don't want to close my eyes. Just take a moment. Just, just listen with me. I'm going to read you a quote, and it's so right on. And, 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 and if you look in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a moment where Moses meets with God in Exodus chapter 2. And God says, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to bless you. And you guys get the promised land, but I'm not going to be with you. And, 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 then, and then this is what Moses says. Is it not that you going with us makes us distinct from any other people from this earth? Meaning that it is the presence of God that makes church distinct from any other moment in life. So I want you guys to focus on that. And I want you to listen to this. It says, we don't worship so that preaching will be more impactful for us. We preach so that the worship will be more impactful for God. And right now, as we sing this song, we don't sing so that we can get into the worship. We sing so that this worship that we do is more impactful for God. And when God comes and He fills or inhabits our worship, everything changes. The prayers that you pray change. The, your, the peace in your heart changes. The relationship that you brought into this room changes. And if you want change to happen, if you want life change to happen, if you want to be distinct, it has to be the presence of God. So one last time as Candace leads us, I want you to enter in, not like how you feel, enter in like God deserves.
for just 30 more seconds, just maybe one more minute. And, uh, this may sound a little weird, but just when you think about his presence, it's talking about his awareness, and he's already here, just like oxygen is, where you kind of breathe that in, just, you know when you do that deep breath, you kind of acknowledge, like, all right, there's something there, and I think just with, with God's spirit right now, just take a moment to... Uh, physically if you want just to breathe that in and I'm not saying God's an oxygen but God we just breathe in and absorb your presence right now we know you're real we don't serve a fake God God and in this moment church just be the church and just accept his presence if you understand that and if this is new to you it's okay uh, we're going to teach a 
about God today, but man, just uh, just take that in right now. God, even say this in your own words. We just receive. Just say, just say it with me. Say, God, I receive it. Say it one more time, like you mean it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive your presence. I receive your truths right now, God. Lord, that you're in this place and your spirit is alive and well, and it's up to us, God, to acknowledge and, and be aware, God, of the atmosphere of your presence. Lord, we thank you for just being in this earth, God, that we can touch and, and feel you, God, and just uh, accept you into our lives this morning. Change us, God. Change us. May we be renewed. May it stick. God, that it may not just be a one time, a one, a one little event right now in this moment, but God, even in this time right now, God, we receive your presence. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you just give God a big praise right now? Amen. 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 You guys can be seated this morning. Say happy summer to the person next to you. That was really weak, but that's okay. Happy summer. Isn't it funny? It already feels like it's been summer for a month, but technically four days ago. So on that note, uh, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to Hill City Church, all you beautiful faces, and welcome online. Uh, as we, there's folks that are always watching online, uh, or if they're slackers and they're sleeping in, they'll watch it later, but that's okay. Uh, tonight we have a summer, a quick, few quick announcements. We have a summer hangout tonight at, a, at 130, if I get this wrong, please someone let me know, 136 in Holly. Uh, it said Springdale. I think it's Springvale, but I could be wrong. Does it really matter? No. Oh, there you go. Springvale Park, and there's a volleyball, because I guess we're going to play volleyball. Um, you don't want to play with me. I get too competitive. Uh, but uh, yeah, and Pastor John, he's really bad. <laughs> uh, but just come today, bring food. It's just, uh, just us hanging out as the church, just being the church outside of the church, if you know what I'm saying. Um, we're going to get together, and it's real casual, uh, and we just, you know, if, if you guys are looking for something to do tonight, and it's not too hot, uh, it'll be beautiful, and uh, we'd love to have you guys come out. 5.30, you guys see the screen right there. Uh, another announcement is, if you notice this cool shirt I have on, anybody envious of my crew shirt? No whistles, please, that's kind of weird. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, it's about the shirt, not me. Okay, I got it. Uh, but it says crew on the back. Uh, we are, uh, we're looking for guys uh, or, or girls if you want to come help us on the setup team uh, that meets here. At, we, we, we basically set up twice every six weeks. So you're on for two weeks, you're off for a month, on two, off month. We'd like to add another team, so you're on two, off six. Can I get an amen? And uh, <laughs> my setup team's like, amen, no. Uh, but uh, if you guys are interested, uh, or girls, uh, you, and if you get a free shirt, so, I mean, if, if, you know, you get a free shirt. That's enough, and uh, so, um, you know, if you guys want to come out, uh, Ricardo was up there, Mark, and uh, other people on my team, so if you're interested, uh, please come talk to us, anybody with a crew shirt on, and we'd be happy to get you plugged into a team. Amen. Uh, so with that, I'm going to have the guys come forward, and um, you know, the reason why we, I'm going to step out for a second, the reason why we do Circle Church, sorry, I call it Circle Church, Simple Church, the team always corrects me, it's not called Circle Church. But the reason we do this is because we want to be a church where Jesus is at the center of it all. And as Can if Candace is worshiping in the team, or if John's there, or if I'm doing my, my announcement gig, I know it might be kind of weird to look at each other, but if you, if you just kind of think about right now, 
that, man, what's coming from the middle is we just really want to all collectively point to the middle, and we believe the middle is Jesus. At the center of our marriages, at the center of our, 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 our uh, being parents, the center of our communities, the center of being grandparents, the center of being a teacher, the center of being a healthcare worker, being an accountant, being a trash worker, whatever it may be, that when you think about your life, you think about this church and what we want to exemplify and espouse for our community is having Jesus at the center. And if you guys can just understand that, that we don't want to just do church the way, the same way it's always been done, amen? And, um, and it's not even about the format right now. This is just a physical arrangement of chairs. But we do believe that it's representative of what we want to be in the middle, is that everything that we do and everything that we put our hands to and our mission and our vision and our execution, even setting up team, our setup team on a Sunday, that we're always thinking about how is Jesus touching lives and that we can just step back, get out of the way, and let God do his thing. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for this morning. For all the beautiful voices that got to worship you this morning, God, we wake up this morning um, blessed that we get to come into a place and worship you. Blessed to be alive. Blessed to be able to see, hear, taste. And God, we don't take those things for granted, God. So I pray that even in the rest of this service that we open up our, 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 our uh, hearts, our ears, listen to your word, be forever changed, God, and uh, not take for granted this morning, God. We love you. We're hungry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How are you guys? <laughs> Good. I know I asked you already, but um, we just wanted to take this time um, because our church is our family, right? And um, so I don't know if you guys know Mike and Dee Billman, but um, Dee's brother was in a really bad accident on Friday night, and he passed away. Um, so their family is hurting right now, um, and we just wanted to pray because when our family hurts, we hurt, right? And so um, if you know Dee, um, even if you have not known Dee, she is still a person that will invite you to her house in the foyer, even if you don't know her. <laughs> She's like, hi, here's the address to my house. You should come over and hang out and have dinner with us. Um, she's just that kind of person. And she just loves really, really big her and Mike. And, um, and this is just a hard time for them. And sometimes we don't know what to say, right? But we know that just like Paul is talking about, God is still the center of everything that we go through. And um, he is still there for us. So I just, John and I just wanted us to pray as a church and as a family for them. And then um, I know there are people that are even going through it in this room that um, in the last month have been diagnosed with cancer or their babies are going through testing because there's things going on and they don't know what's wrong. And um, so I just encourage you, even if right now in this moment, you're just like, I just need prayer. It's, it's too hard to do on my own, um, to just stand and somebody will come and pray with you because we don't want you to go through these things alone. We want to stand with you in the hard times and in the good times, right? And so what would we be if we weren't the church and we didn't do that? 
you know, like I always tell people, I don't know why people don't come to church when they're going through the hard times. Like we're all messed up. That's when you're supposed to run to church. Like, you know, let me be there for you during your hard time and during your good time. So that's what the church is. So if you have something you're going through, if you need healing, um, just stand and um, somebody will come and pray with you and we'll just pray corporately um, for the Billman family and, um, and her parents and her brother's children. And, um, and we'll just pray, all right, together and just believe that God is going to answer our prayers. He's going to be with us. He's going to walk through us through whatever we're going through. So if you'll just join me. Dear God, we thank you so much that you meet us here in this Shadow Ridge cafeteria, God. Wherever we're at, it doesn't matter. God, you said, just come as you are. That is how I want you. I'd rather you come as you are than try to make yourself perfect. So God, right now, right where we're at, God, sometimes not understanding what you're doing, but knowing that you said you would make good out of everything, that you would work good for everything that happens. God, we come to you and we pray for Mike and Dee, God, and Alexa and Brandon and Nahan, God, and we pray for Gloria, God, we pray for Eddie, God, we pray, God, for Shannon, God, we pray for Audrey, God, we pray for this family, God, who has experienced such a hard loss, and we pray right now that your presence, more than anything else, would outweigh every other thought, every other fear, every other worry, every other thing that the enemy would try to tell them, God, that your presence, God, and your peace and your strength would fill, God, every room that they are in. And God, we thank you for them, God. We thank you for the people that are standing here today and even the people that aren't standing, God, that are going through hardship, that don't understand, God, and that need answers. But God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that before your answers come, that your presence just floods their life from their head to their feet. That in your timing, the answers will come and you will be with us then. But God, that your presence, God, and your peace would just overflow every person in this room. So we thank you and we trust you even when we don't understand and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Yeah. It's, it's a good morning. It really is. I, I believe God was honored and there's nothing more important than that. And, and you know what, guys? I really do believe there's miracles as we worship God. All over the Bible, as people raised up the name of Jesus, as they, as they started to worship, things began to change. Man, from, from health plus uh, from, it, it's acknowledging at your core, right back to your creator. If God has given you breath, you're giving breath back to creator. If God has loved you, you're giving love back to your creator. And, and, and in those moments, there is something that goes on. There's a power that goes on. And, uh, and let us... And, and so when you're going through your hardest times, it's the last thing you want to do, but it's the, it's the first thing you need to do. You need to change up your mind and get back on worship and start worshiping God so that he fills the spaces of your life that is just like you feel that is so out of control. So this is Hill City Church. We believe here you encounter Jesus. And, and that we become family, we do life together, we discover our purpose, and then 
lastly, lastly, we make a difference. Wherever you are, it cannot end with you. God's grace, God's love, God's calling cannot end with us. Don't let things stop with you. The best of you is when you are releasing, when you are giving, when, you're, when you are doing the thing that God created you to do. And it is worship. Know that when you're at work, when you're parenting, when you, everything that you do is a part of your worship. But there is a moment where we do sing, and it's, it, it's part of our worship. You don't need to teach a child to sing. Do you know that? You don't need to teach a child to raise their hands. They say even in, in, in the Special Olympics when uh, the blind run and they come at the end and they say you finished, guess what they do? They raise their hands. It's innately in all of us. There's a worship in all of us. There's a hand raising. There's a praise in all of us. And we need to learn that in us, let us not hold back from God because of uh, what we think or how we view ourselves. Give God what is due to God. Give God to do, to what is due to him. And so we're continuing this series. It's called Meet Jesus. We've been going through the book of Mark. And the book of Mark's interesting because the whole book is about Christ and his suffering and that we follow after him no matter what we go through. That's like the, the preface or the synopsis or the one word thing of is suffering servant. Suffering servant of the book of Mark. And, it, and, it, it, and what I want to do is I want to introduce to you Jesus. Because a lot of times we miss out on who he is and what he said that we should do and what we need to accomplish. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 11. All right. All right. We celebrate the word of God. And because we believe it reveals Jesus and it changes our lives. Uh, but before we get into our main text, I'm going to give you uh, Mark 11, 1 to, 1 to 11 real quick. I'm going to give you just the backstory and the synopsis. Here's a Jesus. He's riding into Jerusalem. So this is the final stages from Mark 11 to Mark 16. The end of the book, it's funny because from uh, Mark 1 to 10, it's all about Jesus' life and his teaching and his discipleship. And, 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 and his whole life is encompassed in, in, 10 or, uh, in 10 chapters. And then in 6 chapters of the book of Mark, it's all about the last two weeks of Jesus on earth. The last two weeks. So you can think that this is very important as we walk into this. And Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. If you don't know Jerusalem, Jerusalem is where Jesus is going to be crucified. People in this moment as he's riding into Jerusalem, just think with me in your mind and your thoughts. He's riding into Jerusalem and people begin to lay down their coats, right? I don't know if, you, if you're old school and they lay down your coats. You know, they, they say that uh, gentlemen used to do this for, uh, for their ladies, you know, if there was a puddle or things like that. We don't do that. We were like, you got good enough kicks. You can step over the puddle, right? But back in this day, when there was a king coming into town, you, what you would do, you would lay down your coats as in humility and saying, this is my king, right? So there's, there's people, they're laying down their coats as Jesus is riding in, shouting Hosanna in the highest, which was a, a, a remark that you would make to the Messiah king. So they were thinking that Jesus was coming in to take over as king. And he was, but not the way they thought he would. So they're giving Jesus this cultural parade of sorts, right? Just imagine this in your mind. Jesus riding in and people laying down their coats. They're shouting. There's this parade going on. Yet this picture of this king, of Jesus, the king, does not fit the normal cultural pictures of what's going on. Because normally, when a king rides in, they ride in on a powerful steed, right? On this battle horse. They're like, oh, he's mighty. 
Like, so when you're riding in on your steed, on your battle horse, you're like, you are just, you know, what I was going to say pimped out, but I was, that's old school, right? You are just looking good in your garb. You are kingly, right? So Jesus, normally a king rides in like a boss, right? But here is Jesus riding in on a donkey like a hobbit. <laughs> just imagine the scene with me. So this, it is the exact opposite of what you would normally see as a king riding in. Jesus is ultimately, he's wanting, people are wanting to celebrate him as a king, but he's telling them, I'm a servant. I'm a servant king. An altogether different king. And all of chapter 11 is this understanding of the paradox of Jesus. If you don't understand Jesus yet... He, he is still going to be a paradox. He himself riding in as a king on a donkey. How, how ironic is that? But the whole chapter is irony. And if, you're, if you love literature, just read it. It's just interesting, right? And, and, and so this, this is a different king who is infinitely royal yet completely humble. He is the ultimate judge yet full of grace. He's ultimate in power yet he's completely submitted. He's all sufficient yet he's completely dependent on his father. A majestic king riding in on an undignified donkey but that was just the way jesus wanted it he didn't he wasn't there to show off how mighty he was he already knew the people who try to make a big splash are usually people that are they they want people to like them because that's not really them but G, the people that don't care right that don't care right it, it's like it's it's like what your wife wears at home rather than out it's very different because they don't care they're not here to please you but sometimes you should dress up a little nicer. All right. Sorry, I don't know why I went there. But you do not care how you dress in front of certain people because you just want to show who you are. You don't need to look all dignified and all crazy. You just, this is me, this is me. You, you take it or leave it. And this is how Jesus rides in on his way to Jerusalem. And, and with that in mind, I'm going to go into our text, and I'm going to bring up two guys. And um, I'm going to read the text real quick. Mark 11, 12 to 22, right? The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry, seeing at a distance a fig tree in, in leaf. So it was in full bloom, and he went to find out if it had any fruit. And he reached it, and he found nothing but leaves, because it was not in the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard, it and said, and heard him say that. Verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the, and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them, and he said really angrily, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? So he's making a point there. He says, my house will be a house of prayer, but don't miss what he says, for all nations. Think about that. There's something not racially diverse going on in this temple, and Jesus is pretty upset. He's not like, oh, that's cool. No, he's saying, this is not cool. And, and, when, and he's dealing with old school temple racism in this moment. People will talk about that soon enough, right? 
And then, the ch- and, and then he says, for all nations. And I'm going to find my space here. Where am I? Uh, there we go, 17. And he taught them, and he said, this is, this is written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, the people who were over the temple, heard this and began looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. This is, the, this is what happens many times when Jesus or when maybe a speaker or when someone calls you out and exposes something deep within us. We either humble ourselves and we, we say, you know what, that speaks to me and I need that worked out of my life. Or when someone exposes the pride and the sin of our heart, guess what we do? We get upset. We get upset. And that should be a flag or the first sign that something is not wrong with them, but something is wrong with us. Even if something's wrong with them and they shouldn't have said it, sometimes we still need to be humble enough to check our hearts. Because when we are exposed, we are seen in this way, we either respond in two ways. And I want to ask us, how do we respond? Do we get like the, the high priest because they were high priests? They were a little something. They got on their bandwagon. They said, no one talks to me like that. No one. Have you ever said that? No one talks to me like that. Well, who are you? <laughs> I don't know, but no one talks to me like that. And, 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 and in this moment, Jesus is really testing the waters. Verse 19, and when evening came, Jesus and the disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, they went along and looked at the fig tree that withered from its roots Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed withered like you did. You said it, and it happened. <laughs> and then I love this remark by Jesus. Jesus says, have faith in God. At this time, I have two guys who are going to come up, and they're going to speak to you. And these two guys, uh, we meet together weekly, and we talk uh, about the Bible, and we talk about how God is, uh, is, is speaking to us and moving us, and it's just these are guys that I'm discipling in my life currently, and, and I want, I, and I love this. This is like, I, I'm more excited to hear them speak than to hear myself speak, and that's always every week, you know, because I yap way too long, right? But, uh, but at this time, Trent is going to come up and speak to you about the temple, and then Gio will follow and speak to you about the fig tree. So right now, please welcome Trent. Give him a hand. Thank you, John. Thank you. Good morning, guys. I'm so excited to be able to speak to you today. This is something that's really been on my heart um, and what really, really what God's been doing in my life um, and just seeing within the church and what, God, what God's been doing through John to disciple me. So I'm going to be speaking to you on the temple today, and I kind of just titled this short uh, message just the two temples. Um, Jesus comes in, and he's it's, it's kind of a, a different, shocking personality. He curses a fig tree, he comes in, and he's, and he's angry in the temple. And so to kind of illustrate that, I wanted to kind of just give you an idea of what I've seen growing up. Um, I had my mom and I had my dad. And so when I got in trouble, um, my mom was always just very quick if, with a punishment. I don't know if you guys can kind of relate to that with, with, diff, with your kids. Um, each person punishes in a different way. But with my dad, he would sit me down, and he would just lecture. <laughs> and he would go on and on. And I'm like, when are you going to stop talking? Just, just get on with it. Um, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired of this. 
and I, I just need uh, to just hand out the punishment, and I'll, we'll go on. Just turn over the table and walk out, and I'll be good. Um, but he would just sit down and go on and on about what I'm doing wrong or what I need to fix. And I imagine the Pharisees were kind of in the same way in this teaching. Um, and so something I want to kind of start out with is when Jesus comes into the temple, he recognizes what the temple was doing wrong. Um, and he, the biggest thing I want to make in this first point is going to Isaiah 56, 7, um, when he talks about this main point. He says, my house is, shall be called a house of prayer. And this is something he points out to the temple. Uh, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, I want to point something out about the temple. When he comes in and he sees these sacrifices, he sees them selling the pigeons, um, the money changers. This is a place of four courts. So you have the outer courts, which is for the Gentiles. So this is segregated. You had the Gentiles, you had the women, you have the Israelites, and then you had the priests. So the priests were on the inner courts. Um, and all of this was taking place and more that Gentiles, the, the court where the Gentiles were at or where the women were at. And so um, this was something that the, the priests had a responsibility um, to look after uh, those in the temple. But instead, they were doing something to make profit um, and they were, they were stealing from, from what God had deemed remembrance. This is a time of Passover. This is a time where you're supposed to be remembering what God had done in the past. And so that, I, I love when Candace comes up here and we spend time in prayer for the people in the church because that's what it's about. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I talk with people at my work, with my friends that are, are not believers, and they, they point out and they're like, why... What, the church is so hypocritical. They say one thing and they do another. Um, and and you, don't, you guys don't help the poor. Uh, you, you guys, are, you're just stuck in your churches. You guys don't do anything. And I, I imagine um, the, the, these, these high priests were the same way. And I, I definitely think this church is different. I loved seeing the diversity here. Because there is no segregation. It's, everybody is here together. And I, I think that's always something that we can improve upon, is that we need to be more real with each other. That we need to be more vulnerable with each other. I was talking with my roommate last night. We're just like, the church puts on a facade. We, we want to look good for each other, for the people outside, for the Gentiles. Um, but sometimes what people need is they need just authenticity. They need to know when we're struggling, when we're going through something, when we've had a loss, when, when we might have sin in our life that says, you know what, I'm with you. I struggle with that, and I want to speak encouragement into you. And so I, wa I want to ask you guys, as we look at Isaiah 56, 7, he says, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. So this prayer is not something that is begrudging, but it's joyful. It's something that we should be doing rejoicing with each other. That's that in time of encouragement. And then he goes on to say, with their burnt offerings, their sacrifices, they will be accepted on my altar. So he's talking to the foreigners at this time um, when he's referring to them in Isaiah. So that is not just um, the... Maybe, I don't know, in, in high school is always cliques. You have these cliques that you hang out with. And I think churches kind of go the same way sometimes. You have the church, and you only hang out with your church, and the church is just that one building. But the church is, it's, it's all believers and all Christians. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard, but that's part of being intentional. 
Um, and so he says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So, going down, that when he says a house of prayer, I looked into this as, as a time of intimacy. How can we look in our lives to be uh, surrendered in that? Because these priests, they weren't surrendered to what Christ was saying because when they said, when he said, my house shall be a house of prayer, they wanted to destroy him because what they said did not pierce their hearts in the way that the word should and speak to us. It didn't convict. It, it convicted and they were just like, nah, that's not what we're going to do. And so it's, it's hard. And so I, it's something where you want to... Uh, reflect in, in a spiritual awareness. That's what came to me during worship, is a spiritual awareness of what God is speaking to you, because God is around us. He is with us, and sometimes it doesn't feel like he's with us, and I think God withdraws his presence sometimes so that we will pursue in a deeper way, so that we, when we experience that, that closeness, that intimacy, it's that much more real. So I really, the, when looking at this for all people, I, I think this is something when, when looking in our culture, racism is definitely something that's a, a struggle in our culture, as you see on the news all, all, all the time. And I, and I love how when you go into a church that is truly pursuing after God, you see people of all backgrounds, all races, um, all nations, and just it, it's so diverse, and I love it. And so in that area, in this area of racism, the church should be the one that is out on the streets, um, that we are loving people, that we are, we are being real with people, that um, we should be in the, the orphanages, the, the outreach centers, um, in, in the neighborhoods that are not so good. To, I mean, may, maybe that's not your specific calling, but there's definitely someone's calling to that area to be able to reach out. Because when the people see the church, they should see that love going into that area. We, sh we shouldn't be sitting on our high horses as these uh, high priests. I mean, that's what God calls us, but we take it as a different understanding. Uh, this high priestship should be an ambassadorship. So going, going back to what John was saying just about what the church's purpose is, because when we look at these two temples, I look at it in two ways. There's a job that Jesus gave for the temple, for what we should do as a church, and we, sh we should be the light. Uh, we should be encouraging one another here every Sunday, but throughout the week, of, of what that looks like to encourage one another. But that all starts in a place that is personal between God and yourself. And that's something that the um, high priests weren't willing to, to look at and examine in their own lives. So as we turn to 1 Peter 2.9, he says, But we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you, have, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then he goes on to say, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify 
God on the day of validation and visitation. So this, this is kind of my main follow-up point. The temple, the church has a job, but that job cannot be executed if we are not in a right place. So as high priests, we are called to be ambassadors for those around us, to be encouragers. And that's not going to take place unless we can overturn the tables in our lives that are keeping us from that point. These priests could not connect and encourage and uplift the people in the outer courts if they were in the inner courts. They weren't there with them, but they also were not even able to go out there. They were looking at making a profit. He called it a den of robbers because they were stealing from what God wanted as a glorification. And I, I mean, I look at my personal life and I look at my time, I look at my expenses, and I mean, we, we have things that we enjoy. I, I'm, I, I love sports. I love hanging out on a Sunday, watching a good game of football. I mean, moving from Dallas to Denver, you got the Cowboys and you got the Broncos. So there's no bigger states out there for fo- football than that. I mean, it's crazy. And I love a good game of football or sports or whatever it is. I mean, I, I mean, just sitting down on the couch watching a good movie, whatever it is. And those are good things. I mean, it's not good. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing that the, that the temple was, was continuing to be built. They were continuing to make money for the church. But how are we using that? Is it for God's glory or is it for our own glory? They didn't use that to go and help the poor. They used that to prop themselves up. So my, my biggest question and challenge to you when looking at this time is is what tables need to be overturned in your life? What, what does Jesus need to knock over so that you can surrender and follow faithfully? Um, so something that I, I, I wrote here was that as a temple, we are the dwelling for the Holy Spirit. So we are a vessel there. Um, in, in what ways are you robbing are, are you hindering the growth of the people around you in the church? Um, once you've um, got that position, that place in your heart, and you're like, okay, God, we're, we're aligned. Um, that, that's going to go into what does God want you to do next? But how does that transition back into the church for each other? Um, and, and a lot of times we can get very self-concerned of what we need to do, but we, we got to stop, become more, more spiritually aware of what our purpose is, as, as a temple, as a, as, a, as a body of Christ for in the church. I mean, we have kids over in Hill City Kids, the, the, the toddlers. You have people here in small groups. And, and maybe it's, it's what God's calling you is to step out and lead one of those areas. Because that's, that's what discipleship looks like. Once you've been discipled, God's calling you to make disciples. Maybe it's, maybe it's not here in a small group, but maybe it's making your own small group um, in your work. That's what I find. I, I have three or four people that I'm trying to constantly speak to and just speak life to because they've been hurt by the church. They, they don't know what, what it truly looks like as a Christian of someone who loves Christ and what that looks like to love those people. And you guys can be that light. That, that's what I love about what, he's, what God's done in my life and what these people keep pouring into me is I'm able to pour that out into others. So I want you guys to 
to look at how God is enabling you as a high priest. Turn over those tables, pray about what that is. Because I, I can guarantee you God's looking into you right now uh, and, and, and reminding you and pressing upon your heart what that is. But you have to be willing to heed that word of what the table is in your life to surrender there before you can be effective in the next stage. Um, fortunately for me, same, same, was, same thing was with me. John had picked this passage of Scripture out probably a month and a half ago. Um, but God was really speaking to me about what I'm going to talk about. Um, if you go into it and you're reading the fig, the, this part about the fig tree, it's kind of weird. Can you pull that up, um, starting verse 12? Sorry. I'll just read for mine. It says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So, I mean, you guys would look around and be like, Okay, it's not, it's not the season for the fig tree, so why is he cursing this tree that doesn't have fruit? But if you go on to study the fig tree, it's actually... They're not supposed to have leaves before they have fruit. So when they have a bunch of leaves, this was a lush tree, a bunch of leaves. It's saying, yo, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to pick the fruit. It's ripe. And Jesus comes up and sees that. And it's like, okay, this is a weird story. But what Jesus is challenging us to is, um, is to be fruitful. To be fruitful, not to be a fake Christian. To come to church every week or every day or even be at, like, I don't know. I'm sure um, we all try to present the best to us. But when you're ne never trying to change that, that there could be a husband who in public acts nice and acts sweet, but behind closed doors he's mean to his wife. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I've called you to. Um, even he, he brings it up in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do not men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So Jesus is placing this, this challenge. Even, even with that fig tree, he showed what he's going to do to people who profess him, but they don't bear fruit. Even there he says, I'm going to cut you down. I'm going to cut you down and you're going to be thrown into the fire, just like the fig tree was cursed. Um, and I guess the challenge, I was able to sit down with a coworker recently, one of my old coworkers. We went out to lunch, and she's a Christian. I said, do you see the fruit in your life? And she was like, oh, what, what do you mean? And even you guys could say that. Well, what is fruit? What, what do you mean by fruit? And uh, one of the verses, I, I used to work in children's church a lot, and we gave it to the children to learn. is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, therefore, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you look at yourself and you say, man, God, am I more patient? Am I more loving? Am I kind? Because I know for sure before I got saved, I was, a, I was a very rough man. I wasn't gentle. And that's why God gave me a daughter so I wouldn't be a jerk anymore because I had to beat up my son. So he gave me a daughter to teach me about gentleness. Um, and that's the thing, to, to examine yourselves. That's what the Bible constantly says, examine yourself. 
to really look, man, am, am I fruitful? Am I truly a Christian? Is that coming out of my life? And I guess the last part of this, which is huge, um, is we don't want you to be religious. Because if we just tell you to become a better person, that's just religion, right? Say, hey, you, you become a better person. If you become patient, you're a Christian. But that's not what Christianity is about. That's why the, the last part of this, I want to go to uh, John uh, chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Right? He says, every branch in me, that's the big part, in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So people who profess to be Christians, but they're not bearing fruit at the end times when it comes and they stand before the throne, God says, nope, no, you weren't, you were fake. And he says, in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So just as Trent said, man, Jesus came in and he's flipping those tables. And just like that, Jesus is like, man, because who, who in here has still got issues? I mean, I'm still messed up. God's working on me, but I do see the fruit. And he's cutting away the bad branches. He's pruning. He's pruning. He wants us to make us more fruitful. And he says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me. So he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. See that right there? Because you might have fake patience or you might have peace. But I guarantee right now with D dealing with her brother's death, there's people in the world, I see it, there's no peace in that when you face death. Without Jesus, there's no peace. But with him, there's, there's true peace, supernatural peace. That's the, that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of God to truly be fruitful. He says, unless it abides in, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we have to abide in Jesus. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. You'll see it. Without trying, you spend time with Jesus in prayer and the word. You're going to see the fruit of it. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. Here we go again. And is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Continue to, to profess it. You're just a tree that has no fruit. You're going to be tossed into the fire. That's what he's saying. He's like, you, you, it's, it's going to happen. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. And here, here's, here's the biggest part, and I think as, as Trent was really hitting on. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. God is glorified when we bear fruit. That's when we're the high priest, when people see that. We don't, take, we don't become greedy. We really give out. That's what we try to do. The, the fruit is given. People come to pick of the fruit, all that. So my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As Christians, we're called to be disciples too. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. That's what he calls us to. He's like, bear fruit, man. Because that's a terrifying thing, but it's the truth. If we preach half the gospel to make you feel good, that's not, that's not the true gospel. But understand, Jesus calls you and he says, you're going to bear much fruit in me, and if you don't, you will be tossed into the fire. That's heavy. That's heavy. So let's stand as we close. And uh, out of the two things, uh, uh, just the fig tree. Like, is your life, this sounds so weird, but is your life nutritious? Right? Are you simple carbs? <laughs> or are you complex proteins? Right? Is when you, when you're, when, when, man, are you bringing nutrition into this, into people's lives? 
when you when people around you are they is there sustenance in you and when your kids are with you are they being filled up when when you're at your workplace are you pulling from your workplace and you're doing your bare minimum or you are one of those people that they can't live without because you are sustenance you are nutritious and then at the temple it says you are the high priest and we are high priests like uh, Trent read in first Peter at home at work at church in the marketplace we look after the glory of God this is a heavy weight for all of us we rep- we usher in God's love we usher in his heart for people we live we bring it man and is that true for us in this room because it has to be true for us in this room it has to move from here when we worship do we usher in the presence of God or we say God I'm not feeling it see that's two different methods modes we either say God I'm bringing it or God I'm feeling it right I hope you're the type of people saying I don't care how I feel I'm bringing it right you I'm bringing it God I'm bringing I usher in the presence of God I personally do this I challenge myself John and when I'm here I don't care if I'm feeling it or not there's moments I don't feel it I just dealt with problems death funerals the list goes on and but when I'm here I need to be sustenance I need to be nutritious I need to usher in the presence of God not because it's my job but because God is my love and it's funny when we usher in the presence of God you are sustained to sustain others but if you come say God give me something or I'm not feeling you don't get sustained by God it's this this cycle and you got to jump in and say God I need your sustenance to give out sustenance I need to bring your presence of God so others can can uh, can encounter God and as you are in the cycle of God man that is when you are in your sweet spot in your sweet spot man live in the sweet spot if you know in tennis there's a sweet spot in the tennis racket and you know when you hit it and when you don't if you know if you play baseball you know the same thing you could have you could get the strongest guy out there to play baseball but when they don't hit the sweet spot it goes nowhere right you've 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 seen it and in the same way there's a sweet spot with God where you usher in the presence of God and you get sustained by God by doing it and then you sustain others and it's the cycle and it's so beautiful to be right there be right there let's just close our eyes for a moment I'm gonna just pray over you Heavenly Father if you're you're if you're in this room and you need God and you know you're far from him and your heart is not with him and there's conviction on our heart because it's serious like Gio was saying I would I would love to say that there's no fire there's no hell no like that but that's not the church that we're at we read the Bible and we we believe it and if there is a day of reckoning coming there's a day with the capital D man and God we're gonna be judged by God himself I pray that you are in Christ and you are covered by Christ and not in your own goodness and works if you are here and you are far from God you're far from Jesus and you know it and you need to get right just raise your hands it's just a moment of repentance God I need to get right thank you thank you thank you it's not me that's God speaking to you it's not me all over this room thank you Lord God uh, you can put your hands on Heavenly Father I pray for every hand that was raised and every heart that was moved Lord God it's not a moment of salvation it's a continuation Lord God we keep on repenting we keep on coming back to you we keep on Lord God getting right and getting sustained by you then bringing in your presence so others can be sustained by us Lord God but I pray this is a start saying God there's a part in me that I need you to work through God there's a part in me Lord God that I that I need you to heal 
And I pray, fill them, Lord God, like a wave, Lord God, like a flood, Lord God, of love and of grace, Lord God. We are cleansed by your word, Lord God. We love you today. And for the rest of us today, Lord, I pray we stay faithful. We trust in God's faithfulness. And we never get over the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Man, I want to give it up for the two guys, but give it up for Christ. God bless you guys.